If you're a big fan of podcasts or want to show some support to the Secret Weapon podcast, go sign up for Stitcher Premium today at stitcher.com premium for only $4.99 a month. Stitcher Premium gives you access to ad-free episodes, comedy albums, and exclusive shows from Stitcher. Now, if you just want to check it out and don't know if Stitcher is for you, we've got you. You can use our promo code WARRIORS at checkout and get a month free on us. So go check it out. Okay, so let's put together a starting lineup, shall we? This might be kind of fun. There it is. Secret weapon! Swish, swish, swish. Nothing but net. What? You gotta be kidding me! Welcome back. It's, uh, man, it's episode five of Secret Weapon. Secret Weapon. <laughs> hey, you sound, uh, you sound way too chill for somebody coming off a World Series win, brother. You good? Uh, too chill because I celebrated too hard last night. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> welcome in, everybody. It's, uh, episode five. If, if you can't tell, uh, it's, uh, what is it, Wednesday, and uh, Andrew's feeling good about himself because the Dodgers won the World Series last night. And um, at at the tail end, we'll talk a little bit about the Dodgers. But first off, we want to introduce, it's actually our first time guest and first guest overall ever to the Secret Weapon Pod. We got uh, Matt Lee. And uh, well, first off, Matt, uh, you want to give yourself a little introduction to our listeners? Um, Yeah, uh, my name is Matt Lee. I'm um, coming from Burbank, California. Um, I went to Village Christian High School and I graduated uh, this year. So, yeah, such a such yeah, a humble welcome, introduction welcome to the pod. Oh, no, I'm just saying it's, it's just too early in the morning. So yeah, <laughs> but uh, we're we're really excited to have. I was Matt celebrating on. hard last night too. Maybe, maybe <laughs> we've got Matt on today because um, you know, yeah, for for our listeners out there, you know, it's uh, we're an NBA pod. And we talk about the NBA, but we love basketball. And Matt here is a, uh, he's a big time baller. You know, he's on his journey right now to play professionally, just finished up high school. And so for us, um, for, we really just wanted to hear Matt's story, kind of get a, a gauge of his journey as a baller. And then um, also to hear and get some insight on AAU basketball. He's played AAU for a while. And so we wanted to kind of go, you know, get kind of the inside scoop of what that's like. And so, yeah, if you can, uh, Matt, could you first give us a little intro of like, you know, where you're from, how you got into basketball, some of your role models, favorite players of all time, that kind of, you know, just some basic info for our listeners out there. You know, uh, I'm from, I'm originally from LA, California, um, I, but I moved as a, when I was young over to Burbank and uh that's when I started playing. I started playing basketball during my eighth grade when I moved to Burbank. Uh, you know, I, I started. That, that's what. Uh, that's what's crazy because people don't believe that I started in eighth grade, but I actually started. You know, in eighth grade. You know? Now, I, some of my role models. Um, you know, during my high school years is, you know, it, it's they, you don't play basketball. It's my mom, but uh, she don't play basketball. But uh, she, you know, she has this spirit. You know. That makes her seem like a vet, you know. And, uh, some of my favorite basketball players right now is actually um, they're all they're they're uh, retired, but um, you know, they're just my favorite because uh, they, they just play different. You know, you know Baron Davis. Uh, I, I think Kemba Walker still plays. Kemba Walker, you know, and then Kyrie, mm-hmm. obviously. Wow. Okay. Wow. Interesting. I would have never <laughs> guessed. 
Yeah. Hey, but Baron, Baron Davis, Davis is an LA guy. He is. He is. He's actually born around yeah. <laughs> So I remember Paul Pierce. Did Baron he, Davis play for the Knicks too? Yeah, he did at the he end. He ended his career with the Knicks. But um, I remember Paul Pierce <laughs> telling the story about how they would um they would have runs in in LA, and um after every game, and this was like when they were still in like high school college, but. Uh, Baron Davis was always that guy. Like after every pickup game, he'd run to the sideline and grab a cheeseburger. And you know, like if you think about Baron Davis and his body, he was always kind of like a chunky, yeah, stockier dude. <laughs> so I guess uh, those cheeseburgers helped him out. Okay. Favorite favorite Baron Davis moment has to be the dunk over Kirilenko, no? I'm gonna yeah. imagine. Yeah, I'm, I'm over uh, AK-47, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it's that chunky body that helped him get that poster over. <laughs> they bump bodies in the air, you know. Yeah, he said that skinny that white boy. Shoot, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so Matt, um, I, you played for Village Christian, right? I keep getting that confused. Village Christian. Uh, what was that experience like for you in terms of high school ball? You know, um, I mean, starting my freshman year, I didn't play. Just because you know, I, I wasn't experienced. I, I wasn't experienced at all. You know, I didn't know the coach. You know, and you know, high school basketball isn't. It's more. You know, there's levels to it. You know, there's the coaching, and you know, they have their favorites. You know, people don't say that there's favorites, but there's favorites. You know, and I had to kind of. Mm. I didn't want to. I did I, I was too nervous and scared to grow into that. You know, that system. And but uh, I mean, sadly, I had multiple coaches during my three years of high school, four years of high school, you know, Damn. I had five coaches, which is definitely horrible for my recruiting just because it was hard. It's hard for coaches to connect, you know, college coaches to connect because um, one after another, you know, like it's hard to coaches have to stay connected to one coach so they can tell the coaches about me and, you know, and where I grow. So, I mean, my experience, my experience overall, though, it was, it was definitely something I can't forget because, you know, after my senior year, after my senior game, you know, my last playoff game, it was, it was heartbreaking. I, I broke down because I didn't, I took it for granted, you know. I took practice uh, games and everything for granted. I mean, you know, it was emotional. Matt, I have a question. Yeah. Um, so you you mentioned that you started in eighth grade, and yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah obviously freshman year, yeah, you kind of came into this system where you know, yeah, there's already mm -hmm. like coaches are probably a f familiar with with um, with students, and you know already which players are going to play and things like that. Right, right. Uh, which which year was like the jump for you, or what what year do you think? Um, kind of changed your basketball yeah. career for the yeah. That's why uh, my sophomore year we got a new coach and mm -hmm. um, you know it, it, so it's like a, a fresh start, it's a fresh slate for everybody, like especially for me too. Uh, but thankfully, the assistant coach who who kind of like who I started basketball, like he, he's the reason why I started basketball. Like he get a really good connection with that head coach, so you know kind of put good word in it, and uh, he would he would watch my workouts you know every day. So, so that was kind of like a plus for me. And I started, I started as a, a sophomore. I got a, a role as a captain. Uh, a lot of these, you know, these accolades and 
because of the assistant coach who helped me and throughout my senior year too. So that's what's up. Yeah. That I mean, damn. That that kind of sounds like how it has to be though, right? I know later we're gonna talk about AAU too, but a lot of times it feels like you need to know somebody, you gotta be connected to somebody yeah. to get ahead. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. tough, okay. Mm-hmm. Now Matt, this is more of like a basketball question, but um, you played high school ball um, and we'll talk about AAU later, but mm-hmm. in terms of high school ball, who were some of the <laughs> players out here that you played that were like really, really memorably good that you like went head to head with? Um, I mean, I don't, you've probably seen the videos, but, um, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say he's like, cause I don't do like, I'm not like into like, you know, looking at high school players and yeah. like, Oh, if, if, if I play him, like, I'm not like, you know, fanboying over him. Right. But, um, someone who's actually like decent, who had a, who had, like I had a game, like, Oh, like I needed to play. Like I need to step up. Like it's probably, I, I know it's a run. It's a private run, but. I don't know if you see my video, the boys life video. Like he was definitely like somebody everybody praised and you know, he was he 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 was as good as what people would say, you know. Uh his name is Dior Johnson. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I saw that. I think he's only a, junior, uh, a senior in high school now. So. Mm. Well, Matt, in terms of like your playing style. Um, yeah. I, dude, I know it's always really, really hard to compare yourself to like an NBA player, oh, yeah. but like, yeah. is there like a playing style that you would kind of say is your style or like a player maybe? Um, I, I remember a coach, um, I think he, he told me, he mentioned a player named Mike James and oh. I have no clue who Mike James is. <laughs> uh, Mike James, I think, he, I think he's playing uh, professionally right now over overseas. But uh, he played uh-huh. for the Phoenix Sun. I, I did some research for him, obviously. But um, Mike James, who's he's tough. Like I, lately, he's been. I watched his videos, like with the Swiss cultures. He's he does a lot mm-hmm. of crazy stuff with the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I I think he's the same because you know we're both point guards. You know who's who's kind of like score first, but um, yeah. who can also do the uh, the point guard work. You know, pass, distribute everything. Mm-hmm. Mike James is a good name, man. He's playing. Uh, I think he's playing in Russia right now. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And he uh, he played for the Suns for a little I bit. Would, We're gonna after say after watching, uh, yeah, after watching uh, Matt play, is there a player that he reminds you of? <sighs> okay, this this is always awkward because you know um, Matt's on the call right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be careful, be careful. Uh, yeah, uh, let me. Let, I'll, I'll try. The thing, the thing that I really like about um, the thing that I really like about Matt's game is, um, like you mentioned, it definitely looks like you're a score first point guard. Um, not to say that you only score, but like you can score, right? Um, which is, which is dope. And um, I, if I had to put like a name to it. I, dude, I, honestly, like, Mike James is actually a really good one. Um, obviously, like, I, I wish Mike James had better NBA success. He's mostly, like, 11th man for the Suns for a little bit. Um, but, yeah, man, I can't I can't think of many. Maybe, um, okay, you may not like this one, but kind of like a, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, but there's a guy who played for the Pistons. His name is Rodney Stuckey. Uh, Rodney Stuckey was, like, one of those guys a little bit oh, undersized. Yeah, a little bit undersized, but he's right, right, a freaking he's... bucket getter, you know? 
And so I think that's what I saw a lot in your game. Um, I hope that didn't offend you, you know, because Rodney Stuckey was a guy who can get buckets. Okay, exactly. Yeah. He was. He was. Oh, okay. Now, what I see uh, when I was watching uh, Matt's tape was um, mm -hmm. one, <clears throat> Matt looks like a damn grown man next to these boys, yeah. you know, like just physically in like so much in better shape and like mm -hmm. he got big muscles and all of these high school kids look like super scrawny next to Matt. So that's the first thing that jumped off the tape for me is like, is this guy in high school? Is he supposed to be in high school? Oh, no, I get questions every time. Yeah, he looks like, you know, you already look like you're in NCAA. Um, uh, second, the thing that stood out to me was fundamentals. I think fundamentals jumped off the yeah. page for me too. Is I see Matt's dribbling really good. Um, mm -hmm. He doesn't force anything. He doesn't rush anything. Mm -hmm. Um and then third, I see that, you know, his shooting mechanic is awesome. Um, and I think your game is kind of built off your shooting. And because yeah. your shot is so deadly, um, players have to play yeah, real exactly. tight on you. Yeah. And then that gives you the lane and gives you the freedom to do other things. So uh, those are the three things that stood out to me. And then, yeah, it's kind of hard um, to put a player to it. Um, but I don't know. I, I, was, I was actually thinking like Kemba Walker. Um, kind of similar with that jump shot um, and then you know also also a little bit undersized but super athletic um, yeah but mainly just just Matt looked like a man amongst boys in all of yeah. his highlight tapes <laughs> uh, hey yeah, Matt, Matt I, ha I have a good one I have a really good one so yeah. I don't, I, I'm, I'm a really big draft nerd uh, and I'm like yeah. obviously because I'm a Nick fan I'm always looking into the draft because oh, yeah. we suck but um there's a player that's entering the draft this year that actually reminds me a lot yeah. of, uh, of you. He's like physically up top, like his shoulders and stuff, they're huge. Mm -hmm. And his, the mm -hmm. mechanics on his jump shot look a little bit like yours. A player named Desmond Bain yeah. from TCU. Uh, he's oh, a freaking yeah, yeah. dude. He's a dead eye he shooter, 6'3. But he's exactly, he's shoot, big like yeah, you. Yeah, he's big like you and he can really shoot. Um, so I think you actually remind me a lot of Desmond Bain. Yeah, when you were when you were saying something about the draft, I was like, oh, I was thinking about TC, like the the big guard, like he was yeah. huge, like he looked like a big man, like he looked he he looked like he was like six nine, but he was only like six three, six four. So I was I was surprised. Yeah, yeah. he got the Wait, big. Matt, so you know, shoulders. speaking of your. Speaking of your grown man physique, uh, what do, what does your like day to day look like? Are you just in the gym for thirty two hours a day, or uh... you know what, <clears throat> what surprises a lot of people? You know, I, I don't like even before quarantine. Like, I didn't, I didn't do, I don't do a lot of weights. Like, wow, like close to none. Like, I, I've never really did. Like, I never took weights seriously. No. <clears throat> But I do a lot of uh, build different. push ups and like body weight. <laughs> mm -hmm. Excuse me. Yeah. Okay. So for you, yeah, you're just I'm, mostly I'm working on your game right now, right? Yeah, this is my game right now. But um, I mean, of course, I do. Yeah, I, I got my weight, uh, uh, but my bench set, and you know, I, I do a lot of the body weight stuff, and you know, I don't, I take it easy. Yeah. <laughs> Nice, nice. Just a physical guess, specimen. Uh, some people really are just born different, yeah. Because <laughs> I can spend hours in the gym. I won't even look close to what he looks like. Jesus. Okay. Well, 
Some people are just blessed. That's what it is. Matt's blessed. He's got uh, good genes, I guess. Is your dad built like that? No, my dad. My dad. You know, he he he's six. He's six one. But um, he he did sports when he was younger. But he he was you know he he he's done now. He's definitely done now. God. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I hope I didn't offend you with the Desmond Bain and the Rodney Stuckey. I, I think that's just you know what I saw I in your game. <laughs> but um, okay. I appreciate that. But um, hey, Andrew, I like I like your comp too to the Kemba Walker. I think um, yeah, it's like you know, smaller guard can really score. You know, facilitate, do it all, fundamentals. I think that's all good. All right, so I, I think one of the main reasons why we wanted to have you on today, Matt, was because um, AAU is such a controversial, divisive like presence in the world of basketball. Um, people have all kinds of different opinions about AAU. And the truth of the matter is um, almost all of the top players in the league right now have played AAU, right? And they all team up together. They all play, you know, um, all across the country. And you're someone who's played uh, in AAU. And so if you could, first off, if you can give our listeners an idea of what AAU is exactly for people who don't know. Well, I mean, AU, you know, it started in, of course, it's called American something, but it's 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 in America, you know, all all, yeah. all over different states, you know, it's it's so big now. Like if you think of AU, like you think of the Nike circuit, the Adidas circuit, you know, the Under Armour circuit, you know, different circuits, there's different levels to, and you know, I think AU is just like it's like in I don't want to say auction, it's just like it's a board of different players for coaches to see, you know, different teams and and different categories of levels, you know, talent wise. And um I mean I think honestly think it's it's kinda of like there's a lot of you know, there's, there's levels to, you know, the coaches coaches wanna see the top, top of the top and they don't wanna see the real talent, you know, they just want to see the names. They don't really, you know, it, it's people just say like, <clears throat> people say it's not like that, but you know, now, now it's all about that. You know? And I think AU. So for AU, it's most, yeah, sorry. It's mostly like, it, it kind of just feels like a showcase for all of the, the top names in the country, right? Yeah. Yeah. For like all these, for the youth, it's literally just for the youth to try getting a full scholarship, you know, scholarship for a school mm-hmm. that they want to go to. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Andrew, are you gonna, uh, I thought you were going to say something. Oh, no, no. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so, uh, first off, what team did you play for, for in terms of AAU? Um, so, yeah, I, I played for my assistant coach, my oh, okay. uh, high school coach who um that's that's the reason why i started because he he um when i didn't play for my freshman year he he chose to you know he he wanted to work me out and see like because he noticed that i didn't want to play you know as soon as you know trials were there and like he just noticed mm-hmm. that so he 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 asked me if i wanted to play au like if i wanted to play some uh some club basketball so i was like you know might as well like it's it's away from high school basketball so might as well try it and um I decided to do that, and uh, you know, 
he pulled me away and you know we, we did extra you know extra workout that's where i started my during like like private private sessions like that's that's where i started uh, through my assistant coach how does um aau basketball compare or differ from just you know regular high school you know basketball it's it's, it's like black and white it's totally different you know and aau I heard kids like saying like, "Oh, I wish I, I wish AAU's here." Like, I hated high school basketball. Like, it's because AAU gives me so much freedom, you know. And uh, the the rush of like when the coach, when your coach, when your AAU coach says, "Oh, there's gonna be college coaches. It's gonna be a live period," you know, mm-hmm. they get excited and they don't worry about the team. You know, it's it's who gets, you know, it's literally like who gets the early worm. Like it, it's like. Who's who's gonna get the scholarship first? Like, hmm. Who's gonna post on their Instagram first? Who's gonna post on their Twitter first? Like, oh, I got like it's, that's the only thing that matters now. By you, there's no real love for the game. Like, hmm. <laughs> okay, yeah, I think in my experience <laughs> of watching some AAU clips. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there are like you know top level talents and top mm-hmm. you know like scouted players. Right. Uh, but just generally, when I look objectively as like just from a basketball standpoint, I feel like it's like a lot of bad basketball. Um, just like you know, individual player. It almost seems like an all star game where it's uh, right. Right. just an offensive driven game where players are kind of just showing off. Um, but there's no real like teamwork. There's no real defense. Um, but it is. Uh, I think it, the like the main selling point in there is like when two kind of top. Uh, scout scouted players uh, match up, you know. Then you mm-hmm. kind of see like, oh, who's gonna who's gonna outshine the other? Um, in that aspect, I think it is very entertaining. Uh, but I feel like there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot that high school basketball also offers, and that is, you mm-hmm. know, you're you're playing for your school, uh, yeah. your pride, and your whole school is watching you. And that's one thing I wish, you know, I was I was able to do <laughs> when I was in high school, is you know, just yeah, play in yeah. front of all my friends and you know have my name be like just freaking up there and mm-hmm. uh, you know like i can walk down the, the halls of school and have everyone notice me uh, I, i'm sorry i'm just going into my insecurities now but um <laughs> i feel like you know there's a lot to high school basketball that you know that there is to cherish also you know and aau basketball is is a little bit different in that it, it, you're just kind of going there to sell yourself you know and so yeah, yeah. and you know high school like you practice, <clears throat> excuse me. You pra- um, <coughs> you practice a lot more. You know, uh-huh. AU, you know, this is a jump. Like you, you get like six or seven players just to enter a tournament, and then you just play. Like that's the problem too, because mm. you know, it's high school. You practice two to three days, uh, like four or five times a week. AU, mm. you you play for four or five times a week. You know. Okay. So, wow. Matt, what you're speaking to is exactly what I wanted to get into because before you mentioned the love of the game and back in 2017, KG had this interview with um, Kevin McHale 
And he was talking about how the AAU is really destroying the NBA. And some of the things that he was talking about was the lack of coaching, uh, the lack of fundamentals, uh, the lack of preparation, uh, a lot of it, you know, having no discipline. And he was just saying how because it was more like a popularity contest and like the best and the greatest players get shine, that a lot of these guys, they're not really gaining anything from AAU except a showcase. So just like they're going out there and showing what they can do, but because they're being recruited by AAU teams and they're being scouted, you know, they get pampered, they get thrown all kinds of gear and all kinds of freedom. And what KG was saying is that because of that mentality, a lot of these guys come into the game, into the NBA, even in college, expecting everything and not really coming ready to work. And so I, I wanted to kind of hear your your side of that and how it feels like the AAU is creating this culture, not of like loving the game and loving the grind, but loving the spotlight instead. I know. Um, I mean, he's totally right. I mean, I'm in high school and I think that AAU has ruined a lot, a lot of like, especially for like when I see these top players, like as they're getting drafted, like I don't see the preparation and, you know, they don't seem ready to play an NBA game because, you know, NBA is not it's not the same thing as if you compare it like. Like, it seems like NBA is. It's it's so structured, you know, I've been to a lot of these NBA, like, you know, I've been to like pro runs and college runs and the game is a lot different. Like, I, I, I'd rather I'd rather be in a, a college run or a, a pro run rather than a high school game, you know, because. You're learning. It's you're learning as you're playing, and hey, you you're just learning how to break somebody, like like cross over somebody or dunk on somebody. That's the only thing you're getting out of maybe a video. You know, nowadays kids want to be on the highlight tape. You know, however, however they can. You know, um, yeah. I mean, overall, I think AU has kind of ruined preparation for anything, like for any level, like overseas or especially the NBA. Andrew, do you want to ask him about the uh, the LeBron interview? Um, <laughs> you ask him. I'll you over. No, okay, okay. all right. Um, so, so uh, I think this is like a year ago. Uh, LeBron was talking to Yahoo Sports, and um, he the thing about LeBron is now he's as we saw he's still dominant, playing great, uh, but he is getting a little older, and his kids are getting older. And so Bronny yeah. is now like 16, right? Playing at, uh, where's he playing? He's not at Crossroads. Where is Sierra. he at? Uh, Sierra Canyon, that's Sierra right. Canyon. And then um, Bryce, you know, his younger one, he's also old enough and they're b- both playing AAU. And I think the thing that LeBron has noticed yeah. is like, sometimes they'll show up and they'll play five games in a day. And it's funny because in the NBA, what we're seeing is like this whole new, it's actually not new. It started in the early 2010s with the Spurs, but uh, there's a huge emphasis on load management, right? We want guys to, you know, play reasonable minutes and not be hurting themselves. And I think something that he's seeing with his own boys in AAU is that these coaches, they care so much about clout. They care so much, so much about like putting on their like high end players that they don't care uh, about the fact that they're running these kids into the ground and they're playing so much. And I just, I don't want to ask you because you've, yeah. you've been there. Do you think there's a toxic culture playing these kids too much? I don't like, I see, like, I remember going to a tournament and I seen 
Like I'm just I'm there for my younger brother because I finished my games and I see the same team playing back to back games after I saw them in the morning. Like it's just crazy how and and these are kids like 14, 13 year olds, you know, and all they're doing is just playing. Like they, they don't hear anything else. They just hear their parents saying, Oh, let's go. Like get your jersey. The coaches screaming at them even after their fourth game like it surprises me how the kids actually you know they don't it doesn't seem like they're you know they don't they don't seem like they're phased like they're just they're just playing like like it's just another game like you know and i think of course if if it was like that in the nba it'd be crazy because they're playing 50 minutes they're playing like an hour basically and you know high school they're playing like 30 minutes 30 minutes so um but i think yeah i mean especially I think it's too much on kids, like it's way too much. Like, cause even my body, like my body gets exhausted after like two games. You know, I, I remember having a two day tournament. We played four games in the span of like two days. So, and then I wake up mm-hmm. on Monday, going to school, like exhausted, like my legs, my knees, like my back is hurting. Like, like I'm six and I'm only like 17, 18, you know, like, and I shouldn't be feeling mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Jeez. And yeah, then, like, I mean, first I, off, I so. think it's uh, <clears throat> Oh, sorry. First no. off, I think it's funny that, you know, LeBron's the one mentioning load management for these kids, mm-hmm. but uh, that's beside the point. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it is pretty ridiculous uh, to have these young kids uh, running right. four to five games. And at this point, it seems like, yeah, like AAU is kind of mm, – kind of prioritizing quantity over quality um whereas i think you can see a lot more of players in a more intense situation or a more intense game uh where you know a lot of they'll play their best including defense and you know that's not just a showcase of offensive talent or whatever uh Mm -hmm. but you know perhaps because there are so many games that they need to play Mm -hmm. like um maybe that's why we see such a lack of I don't know, effort in a lot of these AAU games. And, you know, it's maybe it's just to conserve energy and they don't want to get hurt as well. So, you know, a lot of times they'll just uh, do their thing on, you know, like on offense, but they'll just, you know, kind of let it go on defense. And, um, you know, understandably so, you know, they have five more games to play after that. So uh, if you play five games of like intense basketball, you know, I'm sure that that can damage your body and, you know, And if you're doing that like every week, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's obviously not good for your body either. Right. So, yeah, I mean, maybe AAU needs to, you know, reconsider how they structure these things and maybe get like one good game or two mm-hmm. good games out of a player for the week, you know, right. and then mm-hmm. kind of like structure it that way. Maybe we'll get to see more out of players, um, you know, than just kind of like surface level stuff uh, that we see now in the AAU. But, but, you know, the AAU circuit, you know, it, it isn't, it's, it's formed on... It's based on, you know, like how the tournaments are made, like how, how the tournaments are formed and depends on how many teams are in the tournament, you know. There's 64 teams of high school teams. Like you can't, there's no, like you have to play a lot of games just because, you know, there's so many teams. And, and, and out of the 64, it's not all going to be the same age level, you know. It can be like seven or eight, 17 17 and under teams you know and they have to play like three or four games like three or four games a day like they have to just to just to fill the the dates in and you know the time Hmm. yeah 
Hey, uh, man, I was, I was wondering on the AAU circuit, do they even have like, um, like trainers or like, you know, medical people there, like taking care of the kids at all? They actually do every tournament, you know, um, I forgot the name, but, um, yeah, they're, they're well known here. You know, there's a lot they, they come every tournament. Cause you know, if you, if you think, if people think of AAU in California, they know the locations, you know, they know the facilities, like the map, you know, Anaheim sports center. You know, Mamba Sports Academy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Always there. Okay. The real MVPs of the AAU are really the uh, the parents have to sit there all day. <laughs> um, and mom's preparing all those fruit snacks and Gatorades. And mm-hmm. she got to bring a big old bag probably for the day. Apple, so, apple shout slices. Shout out to all the parents of AAU. Apple mm-hmm. slices. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember my dad. He told me he, we had a... We had a day where we had like three games back to back, back to back to back. And he was telling me like, oh, I'm more exhausted, like watching, you know, like it's not, it's not exhausting, like watching, like it's fun watching it, but just sitting there like hurts me. Like, mm. so I was like, like, and I didn't imagine, like, I was like, oh, that's stupid. And then I watched my mm. brother's game, like two games back to back. Like my legs were just like, <laughs> Like, it's just, like, it just like my knees were dead. Like I, I couldn't feel my legs. Like it was exhausting. Like, like it, it's like, I can't imagine like the parents that does, you know, the packing and, you know, preparing. And then, and then on top of that, watching the game, staying, staying there, you know, that tight, tight space. The all emotions. Day, and then having to, have to drive back. Cause you know, these facilities aren't, aren't close mm-hmm. to anybody. They're all like spaced out. So. Hey Matt, um, could you give us maybe your craziest or like wildest story that you have about AAU basketball? Something, just anything that stands out that you remember. Um, I mean, I was, you know, I'm, I'm either too focused in the game, so I don't, I probably don't remember. But um, something that comes to mind is, you know, I remember my coach telling me like, game time is at eight, and then I think I showed up at eight a.m. instead of eight p.m. And I was just there waiting basically like the whole day. You know, we were already there, so we had to wait. You know, we were just watching games. And then I remember the next day, my body, like I, I slept the whole day. Like I don't I don't think I, I don't I don't think I remember waking up, you know. Wow. Jesus <laughs> Christ. That's coach's fault. I should have clarified. <laughs> wait, but I think the craziest part of that story is you guys were having games at eight PM? 8 p.m. I remember the latest game I ever played was 10, uh, 9, 9.15. And then and the, the, the coaches on the other side was late. So it started at like 9.30, 9.40. And then I remember the game ended at like 10.40 or like 11. Jesus. And, and this like is when you're in high days. school. This is high school. Like Holy during God. high school. Jesus, they really put you guys through it, man. Can you imagine being in high school playing a game at 1040? What the heck? Andrew, could you play a game right now at 1040? You play a full court game at 1040? I could. I just wake up two days later, though. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's actually pretty intense, man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the crazy thing though, yeah, again, is you got to put it into perspective. These are high school kids. Yeah, you know, they right. have six or five periods of other classes that they got to worry about. 
Um, And, you know, academics, you know, as much as, you know, some players might not care about it, like, it is still important. You still have to get your education. And, you know, like, even as a backup plan, if, you know, somehow athletics don't work out, you have to have to go to college or, like, you know, kind of have, like, an education to, to, you know, have a, as a backup plan for your career. So, you know, it's, it is crazy that, you know, these, <laughs> these kids are playing ball like 12 hours a day and really you don't have time for anything else. Um, so I, I can really respect that and respect their work ethic um, for that and all the sacrifices they have to make. And on top of that, you're in high school, you got to make, you know, memories with your friends and mm-hmm. you know, all the social aspects of high school you know that we always reminisce about you know i'm sure that they're missing out on a lot of those things too mm-hmm. um and so yeah there's a lot that goes into <laughs> just playing basketball and like pursuing basketball as a career so so man i, I know you for sure you've sacrificed a lot and you know i respect you for that and you know and i hope it really pays off you know i know i know if you work hard it will so yeah look at that, uh you know? look at this boomer reminiscing about high school <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't that long ago for me. <laughs> oh, God. Hey, so, Matt, um, now, um, hey, for our listeners out there, Mike, uh, sorry, why don't I, I keep calling you Mike. Matt, uh, you just finished up your high school career, and I know you're prepping for yeah. your next step. If you can let our listeners know um, kind of like what's coming up in the future for you and also like how how has it been preparing for that right it's such a huge step that you're taking forward next how has it how hard has it been for you to prepare for that during a global pandemic and what's your training situation like right now you know um i mean thankfully i have i I, you know it's all about connections you know i I know the right people and Mm -hmm. to get me in the gym every day twice a day you know as my plan was even before the, the pandemic you know you know I mean, yeah, I've been working out the same way, you know, but uh, of course I had to keep precautions, you know, I have to be cautious about my surroundings. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm doing that, you know, doing the body training, you know, getting my, my physique right too, you know, and, uh, you know, preparing for the college game, you know, it's, it's totally different because, you know, it's definitely more organized, you know, you know it's, it's not the same as high school. It's another there's a gap there's a jump there's a big jump to and um i think i i'm taking these uh these private runs you know these these pro runs that i'm going to i'm taking it i'm taking it as a good learning experience and uh you know and using it to prepare like for the ncaa you know because it's, it's a different week from high school so yeah i'm just i'm just trying to prepare for that have there been any uh, notable pro players that you've uh, played with recently? Um, I mean, he he's a he's a good. He, I mean, I don't want to say bud, but he's he's over in Israel right now. Uh, his name is pa- uh, Patrick Rembert. Mm. Um, he's he, he's notable because he's he can shoot like the first time I remember working out for the first time with him, and I was exhausted, and I was just amazed about how he could shoot. Like, like I remember doing like we we was doing a full court shooting drill. We start from the one corner. Uh, the half uh, of one court, and then you run to the other side, shoot. You shoot ten shots, and then you shoot on the slot on the other court. This uh, the slot on this court, the top top of the key, top of the key. You know, you have to make thirty shots with two people in like a minute, and he made basically everything. Like he he wouldn't miss. And then 
I, I remember working out for like a month before he went. And he was he was working out like he had somewhere to go. Like he was like he, he's he's pretty old. He's like in his late twenties, thirties, but um he's still working out harder than me, like almost. So and uh yeah, he, he he's he's a close he's a close friend, so it's pretty crazy that's pretty crazy um i i I imagine like these types of runs especially right now right Mm -hmm. with with the pandemic and everything that that type of experience and you being able to do that in isolation i'm sure that's going to be huge for your development and so um what are some things that you feel like you've already been able to learn and kind of you know grow in during the pandemic working with these pros uh, i think something that I should have learned even during high school, like, like, you should, like, just don't like, just don't worry about anything else. Like, you know, just about yourself. Like you need to be greedy you need to be selfish because nobody's just going to hand, like literally that nobody's going to hand it to you. Uh, building relationships. Cause I remember I, like, I wish I had the relationships I have right now, you know, during high school. I mean, thankfully bought like, you know, the boys life after that popped, you know, everything kind of opened up more people came to me rather than me trying to go to them. Uh, I think yeah, that definitely helped. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's about relationships. Matt, what part of uh, your game do you think, like, you know, I think your shooting is like, um, again, the thing that stands out most to mm-hmm. me in your game. Do you agree with that? And also what do you think is like, maybe one area of your game that you think needs work on and that's something that you're working on at the gym right now um i think michael said earlier like he like shooting is you know i think you said it but uh, my shooting shooting opens everything up for me you know mm-hmm. i start off the game shooting a couple threes like i i, I remember i count this in my head even during my high school year like years like i, I would have three threes like i would demand myself to make three threes you know two mid-ranges two layups, get two steals and breakaway layup, five, uh, get to the free throw line uh, three times. So that, that makes like 20, 25 points right there, like easy. If I can't make that requirement, you know, I get on myself, get on the gym, get in the gym, you know, work on, work on the same fundamental things that I do before I work out, you know, and then get a good workout in, you know. It's like uh, when you play 2K and you get all those uh, achievements. Yeah. <laughs> those are the things you unlock during the game. That's crazy. <laughs> are they ba- are they called badges? Is that what it is? Yeah, badges. Yeah, yeah, yeah badges. <laughs> I'm the real boomer here. I have no idea. But um... all right, let's take a quick break. Albert still plays NBA Live. <laughs> Shut your ass up. <laughs> And we're back. Um, yeah. So first off, we appreciate all the intel about AAU. I think it's uh, definitely it's cool to hear kind of like the inside scoop and what's really going on there. But um, yeah. So Matt, something that you know we're interested at the Fighting Stripes. Uh, we actually have a piece coming out pretty soon about a player named Tony Akins mm-hmm. who plays uh, in the KBL, who's played in the KBL for a long time. Uh, he played at Georgia Tech when he was in high school. I sorry, in college. And then eventually went on to play internationally, and then ended up at the KBL. Uh, what we—I'm pretty sure the KBL comes to LA and Vegas every year to scout players. 
And I was ever, you know, because you're Korean American, I was wondering if you ever considered that route and, you know, going back to play in Korea. Um, I mean, yes, my route is to be, to end up in Korea, in a, the oh. KBL. Uh, I mean, um, that's what I'm trying to pursue. Of course, going to college is a priority just because I don't have a dual citizenship, which is, which is helpful. I, I don't have that. So uh, my best choice is to, you know, sign with an agency, you know, sign with a sign with an agent, you know, after my four years or however many years I need, you know, to prepare. And, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I know, I know about the, the KBL draft every year, uh, in Vegas, but, uh, I think, I don't think they're doing that anymore just cause I think they changed their policy like two years ago, you know, wow. but, uh, before they can, you know, before they like changed it. And I've always thought about, like oh like, what if I, like can I, can I meet KBO standards? You know, and, and I know, and I, I talked to my parents. You know, because they lived in a time where politics was, you know, politics is the main topic in Korea. You know, and and, and it still is right now. You know, it's very political. The, the, you know, the rules and the coaching and everything, the life, life in Korea. You know, in general. So, yeah, I mean, dude, that I hope that works out. I know we're gonna have uh, yeah. an interview with Tony Aiken soon, and you know, who knows, maybe we could get you plugged with him and see what opportunities yeah. are out there. Um, so, I was gonna ask you this: in terms of like level of play, do you know like what the KBL level of play is like? Is it like similar to college ball, or I know, I know. I mean, I see. I know. I, I'm not really like. I have no right to, you know, judge like a uh-huh, pro, yeah. you know, pro team. But uh, of course, I seen, I saw, I remember watching the 17U or 18U game for uh, USA versus Korea. Uh, I, I seen Korea just absolutely getting blown, like they're getting killed by these 16-year-olds. Because I know Korea, their team is strictly like 18-year-olds. Like they have their seniority. You know? Everybody the same age. Uh, and uh, the USA team, there's a bunch of 15-year-olds that look like grown men, you know, on that uh, 18-U team. And uh, in Korea, was they're getting beat by, like, 40. And, uh, and I, the only thing I can imagine was, like, what if if this 18, like, these bunch of high school kids, you know, a bunch of freshmen and juniors, if they can beat the national team by, like, 40, can they beat a KBO team? Mm. That's what I always imagined, and and I see, and I watch. I remember watching the USA versus uh, Korea. You know, the the national team, like the the national team. Like I, I seen them play, and they still get blown out. Like, so I only imagine like KBO. They're not a low level. They're definitely. I think they're definitely between like a, a division two to division one. Like they're just in the bit. They're they're in the middle. They're in the middle. Mm. The, the style of play is definitely different. Not, that sounds. I mean, that sounds fair. You know, I, I, to be honest, I don't know very much about KBL. I know a little bit. I've seen some clips here and there, but I mean, clearly it's not like anything like the NBA, but it's still a pro league. I was looking at some of the rosters this morning too. And there are actually some like former USA players that are out there, like a guy named, uh, Jameel Warney. I think he played for Syracuse or some biggies team, but he's playing for like the SK Knights. Mm. Um, so you'll, you'll get guys out there who play oh, D1 ball. So it's definitely intense, you know? 
the level and should be good. The KBO, like these coaches, yeah, the, the coaches, like basically they're strict on you know getting, uh, you know, players that have that have that have had like some name into their you know their resumes filled with uh, like they played in Israel, they played in Russia, they played in they played in the NBA. They went to a four-year Division One school. Like they care about these. Like the name is a little more important than you know the way they play. You know? That's why that's why I said it's so political. Like they don't care too much about how you play. It's, it matters more about your resume and the list of accolades and achievements you've had. You know? mm-hmm. hmm. uh, Matt, um, so, sorry, I have a question real quick. Yeah. Um, so you graduated in June of this year. Uh, I graduated uh, in May. You know, it, it, it cut short because of okay. the corona, so we had an earlier graduation. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I mm-hmm. I don't know if you could share this, but I mean, I'm sure you're getting offers from schools. And um, mm-hmm. did you are, are you, did you already make that decision, or are you um, still? I mean, we haven't. You no, know, we haven't announced it, but uh, we haven't really fully made a decision. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. scheduled. Uh, I, mean, I, I can say this, but I, I, I'm scheduled to visit um, uh, during uh, during November. So hopefully that goes well. You know, hopefully I see. You know, I, I've been in a couple of visits, but I, hopefully I see you know, different things. You know, something different out of this out of this school visit. Could you uh, could you at least tell us the schools that you're considering? Uh, um, yeah, um, it's uh, University of Laverne. Which is in over in Laverne, which is close. Um, University, no, uh, University of Dubuque, which is in Iowa, over in Iowa, in the Midwest. Um, another school over in the Northwest, uh, in Oregon, uh, Warner Pacific University. Damn, small school, but uh, it's neat. Okay. So. Yeah, dude. I mean, wherever you end up, I'm sure. Uh it's just you know the journey continues and i think i i hope you find a good situation where as you mentioned right a lot of the things that you talked about at the top of the pod you know you want people who are going to help you train and help you grow and people who are going to be on your side you know you talked about like the relationship piece and stuff like that so we really hope you can find a a situation that's best for you and uh hey as you mentioned we got to be greedy right so hopefully you can find a situation that really pushes you forward and gets you going in the right direction Right, right, right. Yeah. So, uh, really quick before we before we wrap this up, um, our Fighting Stripes Network, we're definitely into like cultural identity and like stories about you know the way that we the, the different ways that we've grown up and experiences that we've had. But um, you being an, a Korean American playing basketball, and let's be honest, there aren't too many people playing basketball at your level that look like you, right? And yeah. do you like? I just kind of wanted to hear maybe some stories you've had about that experience. And also, do you ever feel like there's a burden on your shoulders to show out and play even better because of the way that you look? You know, actually, I, I love this question because I remember um, there's a small Korean American program in uh, Irvine, which is a yeah, um, which is called JMGP. Um, and uh, he, I remember playing for them. They uh, they hit me up on Instagram, like oh play uh, play a few games for us. Um, they're making a 17U team, so I was like, all right. Um, and I remember the whole team was Korean American. They're all Korean, 
and uh, we were like six or seven kids, and we weren't even t- the tallest guy was six three, you know, and I was the next. I was next to being tallest. Uh, we went into this tournament yeah. with a bunch of you know uh, different. It's, it was a very diverse, of course, diverse tournament. Um, I remember going all the way to the championship game, and then we were short just because of height, because we didn't have people who could rebound, and you know. But but every game was it felt it felt like I was playing for Korea. It almost felt like that, like I, I was playing for my national team, you know, like we were because we're all Korean American, and it felt like we had to win, like like we had to win. Did you end up winning? That, that's how that, that's how we felt short. That's that's how you lost. Like because yeah. we, we were shorter than everybody. And, you know. So I mean, hopefully, I mean, I wish we did because we did we did so well. Like every game, yeah. Like I remember we had a game with we had a day with like three games and we won all three. So, do you feel like sometimes are there? Uh, you know, opposing players might mm. look down on you because no, you know I mean, you are that's, Asian. That's what I'm even like thinking. Like they do. Like obviously, it's it's clear mm-hmm. now because you know nowadays it's just you see, you know, you you make your first impression is judging them. You know, it's it's not a it's not a good first impression, especially as a Korean American going into mm-hmm. you know this gym, going into a gym where you know there's you know, close to none. Like there's no Asians at all it's, it's dominated by you know whites and of course blacks and different different races other than mm-hmm. so so yeah i mean i yeah. feel it like, i sure. felt it before. yeah i mean I, I felt it but you know it's it's nothing i mean I, i've gotten used to it so i just take it as as you know like a piece of me and i just used it while i'm playing for sure mm-hmm. yeah i mean <clears throat> I'm not in any shape or way or shape or form a professional on any level, but uh, when I was in college and, you know, me and my friends, we used to go play pickup ball all the time in the gym. But, you know, even us, we'll go in the gym and we know the middle court is for all the black guys and the white guys. And, you know, you know, we know our lane. We'll take ourselves to the far side court where the Asians are playing, you know, play a little bit uh, where the level is lower. Um, but I mentioned that because, you know, I feel like a lot of times, yeah, our, our, our ethnicity is a crutch and, you know, it is a burden. And um, it's really awesome to see, you know, someone like you, you know, break through those, uh, mm-hmm. those barriers and, you know, to show that, you know, Asian people can ball. I mean, look at Jeremy Lin, he's done it. Uh, but you know, now we have a whole new wave of other younger guys, just like you, uh, ready to show like we can hang and, um, you know, you know, we'll soon be playing in the middle court as well. Uh, and it's not just the side courts. Um, but yeah, man, man I, I think I'm very excited for your future, you know, wherever you end up going. Uh, I'm sure, you know, with, with your work ethic, you know, and if you, I, I'm a firm believer that if you work hard for it, you know, good things will come. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would just encourage you to like, just, you know, to never give up on it, on your dream. And really like you have a whole, whole group of people backing you, like all of, 
all the Ameri- Korean Americans here. You know, we're we're supporting you, man. We want oh, you yeah. to ball out for us. Uh, all the things that we can't do, please do it for us. Um, <laughs> me and Albert, we're we're taller, kind of like bigger guys, uh, yeah. and so we can't dribble the ball like you. So please go show show them that we can we can do because uh, me and Albert, we we're not good representatives on the court for uh, for our, for our, for Korea. So uh, we're relying on you, Matt. Right. <laughs> Hey, hey, Matt. Uh, how many times have you been called Jeremy Lin before? Uh, countless, countless. <laughs> all the time, right? I think, I think yesterday my friend called me Jeremy Lin. I was like, <laughs> something new. Stick as a joke. Yeah. Matt. Also, I wanted to ask. Um, this is not really related, but uh, yeah. you know, I have a debate going on with some friends. So yeah, what's yeah. what's a better ball? Is it the Evo or the TF one thousand? Honestly, I had yesterday. I remember trying to work out with the Evo, but uh, I just had to move it aside because I've been I, I've been working out with a with an NBA ball, the Spalding ball, the Pro ball. Oh, I, I I, I've been working out with that for like months now. So I'm, when I touch the Evo, like it's it's just like so small. It feels small. I'm, I'm like, and it feels weird because it left interesting. <laughs> I didn't even think about the possibility of using an NBA and, ball. Andrew, this is a this is a difference. Uh, Matt plays on the middle court, and we're playing on the side court, yeah. and we're playing with Evos. <laughs> and Matt's playing with the Spalding. All right, that's the big difference here. Okay, that is the difference. We got we got side also, court problems. Matt, um, <laughs> uh, what are your favorite? Some of your favorite ball shoes that you wear? Um, I mean, I hoop with the the Paul Georges. The Paul, uh, Paul George ones. And, uh, oh, the ones. And uh, the Kobe eight, Kobe eight. There it is, Kobe eight. Kobe eight. So you're a low top guy. I'm low top. Yep, yep. Always have a- Andrew, what's your favorite high top? I heard. Um, I mean, my the most comfortable for me were the Hirachi two K fours. Oh, yeah, but. The newer ones that came out, I don't know. It didn't feel the same. But I'll, I'll second to that, I'll say the Hyper Dunk was like very the very first one. Hyper Dunk was like game changer for me. You know, and I couldn't wear anything else after that. How about for you, Albert? I think my favorite all. Posits. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably probably the the, the Starberries. You know, because I'm from New York. You know, gotta rock the Starberries. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 I think, I think, I think my favorite, I think my favorite ever were the Kobe sixes. I absolutely love the Kobe sixes. Um, recently, I, I bought, I actually bought a couple pairs. I bought the uh, the Kyrie sixes. Those are really comfortable. Um, they got pretty good uh, traction yeah. on those. Yeah, pretty decent. Um, what else? But yeah, the Kobe six is my all time favorite. I absolutely love those. I had multiple pairs of those. Yeah, I think Kobe's in general. Yeah. yeah, I feel like Kobe's are have been pretty consistent. I know everyone has like their own favorite number, yeah. but all- I feel like from four and on, it's like everyone's been been wearing them. Yeah. Um, now I have another per- more personal question. I mm-hmm. you no know, feel free not to answer this, but uh, you know, are you are you dating or you have a girlfriend? Do I have a girlfriend? Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, I do. Oh, oh nice. Sorry, all you ladies out there listening yeah. right now. You're yeah, uh, no. no chance, no chance. All right, that's that's the biggest three he'll ever score right there. <laughs> <laughs> nice man. Uh, from high, like you met her from school, high school. Um, I mean, just mutually, you know. Just... 
cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Shout out to your girlfriend. She's uh she's um she's gotta be a big cheerleader for you. That's she, right. She, yeah. That's right. Good. <sighs> All right, Matt. Well, uh, dude, we really appreciate you coming on today. Um, we, dude, this is exactly what we wanted to do. We want to have Korean Americans come on and tell their stories. And uh, I think we learned a lot about AEU today, which is dope. And um, hey, wherever you end up, you know, we're really rooting for you. And um, obviously, we'll speak again. I think, especially once we start talking to these KBL guys, we we'll definitely try to get you connected with them. But uh, once again, uh, Matt, we love, we we really appreciate you. Any last words you want to say before you go? No, it's an honor. You know, it took it took a few days to you know prepare for this, but uh, I mean, I'm I'm honored. I'm thankful that you guys hit me up. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, Matt, we're gonna be uh, supporting you from from afar, yeah. and you know. Hopefully one day I'll be, I'll be seeing your jerseys at the store that I can buy and rock and wear. Let's do um, it. But yeah, we'll be rooting for you, man, and sure. we'll support you no matter what. So keep working hard for us, Thank keep balling out for us, yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, man, I'm excited for you. Thank you. I appreciate it, Matt. I appreciate you. All right, all right. Uh, we just uh, we just wanted to come back at the end of this um, and. Uh, we, we really pre- appreciate having Matt on, but we wanted to wrap this up with, um, you know, it, it only makes sense to talk about what happened last night. And Andrew currently is wearing his, is that a Seager jersey? Hell yeah. He's got a Seager jersey on. He's got a Dodgers hat on. I mean, look, after 32 years of pain and suffering, the Dodgers have made it back to the summit and they are our 2020 World Series champs and also uh, COVID champs with uh, Justin Turner uh, spreading that virus all over the field yesterday. But um, you know that, yeah, that's not gonna <laughs> that's not gonna ruin the mood here. And so we just wanted to come back and um, you know have Andrew give Andrew some some time, you know, a little runway here, a little platform for him to share what he's feeling because it's a it's a double championship for you guys this year. Yeah, um, you know, to, I'm, I was I'm so happy for my for my Dodgers, man. And this one feels, I don't know, I know the Lakers won, but you know, I talked about this already. But that one already felt like it was it was one since the beginning of the season. But this one, man, thirty years. I know I haven't even been alive the last time we won, but just in recent years, coming so close every time and. Dude, we had we got a lot of hate, you know, from a lot of people. Kershaw got a lot of hate. Um, Kenley gets a lot of hate. Dave Roberts gets a lot of hate, and you know, it, it's just like so gratifying to finally see it come to fruition. And like, you know, our team, we could have, you know, lost hope. We could have lost morale and given up. But I really respect that, you know, we came this far and we kept at it year after year, year after year after heartbreak and. Um, Dude, just so happy, like, specifically uh, for Kershaw, of course. You know, I feel like this really solidifies his career. You know, this kind of the last thing he needed. You know, he kind of has all of the other accolades and, um, you know, but over this World Series, he got the most strikeouts um, in postseason history. And also Dave Roberts, man, you know, he was, he's, he's been on, his seat has been hot since, like, five, six years ago. And so um, even before he got on, 
to the Dodgers, his seat has been hot because that manager role has been like very scrutinized from the beginning. So uh, super happy for Kershaw, super happy for Dave Roberts, um, obviously all the young guys on the Dodgers. Yeah, man, LA was crazy yesterday. I was in K-Town when it happened or when we won. And uh, even the homeless people next to me were setting things on fire and um like honking nonstop, there are fireworks going till like three, four in the morning. Uh, I, I li- so I work at a coffee shop, right? And then there was a homeless person setting things on fire next, like literally a couple feet away from our store. So obviously I had to call 911. I was on hold. This is an emergency line. I was on hold for two minutes. I called 911. You know, what if I was dying? <laughs> Thanks, LA Pete, I'm dead already. Um, <laughs> but that's how crazy LA was last night that uh, all the police were probably out there, all the firemen were out there. There were like six or seven helicopters above downtown LA. Yeah, man, it's a crazy, crazy year, um, crazy accomplishment. And uh, a little side note, man, I, I kind of feel bad. You know, ever since I joined this podcast, all I do is talk about, you know, Lakers winning and now the Dodgers winning. Well, all Albert talks about is is Knicks woes and <laughs> Jets woes. Uh, you know, I, I promise I, I didn't make, I didn't want it to be like this, but, you know, this is just how everything turned out. Um, <laughs> so for our listeners, please send Albert <clears throat> a lot of encouragement because, uh Right now, everything seems to be going well for us. Uh, perfect in Shalag, as they call it. Um, mm-hmm. And everything seems to be going wrong for, for Albert. Uh, so, so um, for our listeners out there, you should know, uh, Andrew coerced me into starting this podcast so that he could ruin my life. Um, that's what this is. Uh, we were never, never about basketball or anything else just to ruin my life. But um, hey, look. It is what it is. I think it's just the timing of it all is hilarious and perfect for you and miserable for me. Um, But hey, there were a couple of things that I did want to touch on because you're right. I think this definitely now because Kershaw was lights out in the World Series. No one is going to remember the fact that he's bad in the playoffs. That's it. It's over. All anyone's going to remember now is that he's a World Series champion and he was fantastic in the World Series and the season that you won. No one's going to care. The truth of the matter, matter is, even even um, Jansen, right? He was terrible this postseason. Who's going to remember that? All people are going to care about is the fact that you guys won the World Series. And that's how I feel like unfair and amazing it is, uh, the difference in winning a title and not winning a title and how you get remembered. The same thing with Elway, right, when he won in 97 and 98. Everything else goes out the window. Dirk, when he won in 2012, before that, he you know, famously lost to the We Believe uh, Warriors. And that was the season he won the MVP. And that's all anyone remembered, right, until he won the title. Dirk was always a playoff choke. He could never lead a team to a championship, blah, blah, blah. Then he wins one in 2012, and now he's remembered as a champion. And so I think I I say all that to say this is huge for Kershaw, really happy for him. This is terrible for the Red Sox, which makes me really happy. They just gave away Mookie Betts to you guys, and now he's won a title with y'all. So that's got to feel fantastic for Yankee fans who are listening right now because the Red Sox are just crying their eyes out, which is fantastic for us. There were a couple (laughs) things that I did want to talk about, though. I felt like um, for me— Blake Snell getting pulled in the sixth inning was an absolute travesty. Um, For anybody who was watching the game, you know that Blake Snell was absolutely dealing. And he was close to untouchable. And the fact that he gets pulled (laughs) after 72 pitches and giving up a single, I think that's an absolute joke. And this is something that, you know, it's an ongoing conversation right now in baseball with, you know, the the whole, we're in the whole data and stats uh, analysis era right now. And, 
you know, this comes down from the front office and they're making these calls to the coach. And I think it's an absolute joke. I, I really love what A-Rod said in the, in the post game. If people were thinking the way that they are now back in 2004, the Red Sox probably don't have a world championship back in 04 because that year they, they kept Pedro in there. They kept Schilling in there for a third, fourth time through the order and they were dominant. And Blake Snell last night was absolutely dominant. He's pitching the game of his life. He kept his pitch count all the way down to 70 pitches in the sixth inning. He could have easily gone a complete game easily. And the, the funny thing is the reason why baseball, <clears throat> the reason why they've implemented openers and six day rest for pitchers and all that is so that they can ramp them up in the playoffs with the thing that I don't understand about Kevin Cash is in game one, he keeps glass now in there for 120 plus pitches. And then in game six in a win in a winner, almost a winner takes all it's, it's for your season right here. He pulls Blake Snell after 70, 70 pitches and a single. It's an absolute joke. And I think, like, once again, I don't say any of this to discredit the Dodgers. I still believe the Dodgers were the best team and the right team to win. I actually picked the Rays to win in six because I felt like their pitching was the difference. And so for me, it, it, it really baffles baffles me because not only is Blake Snell on a low pitch count at 70 pitches, but also Nick Anderson, who was their best reliever all season, has been worked like a dog throughout the playoffs. And so... Like, yeah, Nick Anderson is great, but he's also tired as hell. Let the guy who's dealing and pitching stay in there. On the other side of that, respect to Dave Roberts, because he kept Urias in there. He did that in game one, and he did it here in the clincher in game six. He didn't panic. He didn't go to Jansen. He didn't make a you know a weird call there. He kept Urias in there because he was dealing, and he closed the deal. And so I, I do want to put that in there. I, I, I'm not saying that Tampa would have won the game because ultimately, bro, Tampa scored one run. It's hard to beat the Dodgers scoring one run. But at the same time, Blake Snell was absolutely having the game of his life, and you can't pull him in that spot. And so uh, I say all this to say, you know, props to the Dodgers, but you do have to – if you're the Rays this morning, you're definitely kicking yourself. Yeah. What do you think it was? Do you think uh, uh, Kevin was thinking about possibly Game 7? Do you think that's why he pulled him early? But my thing is, if you're thinking about Game 7, then that's even more incentive to keep Snell in there. He's got a low pinch count, and he's dominating. If you can get Snell to pitch even seven, eight innings, then you're saving a lot of your bullpen for a Game 7. So for me, it it comes from the front office. It It definitely comes from their analytics department, but they were wrong. There's something called feel. There's something called momentum. And I guarantee you, for every Dodgers player on the field last night, when they saw Blake Snell get pulled in the sixth, Everyone sighed a sigh of relief. Everyone, because he was dealing, and it was an idiotic yeah, move for sure. Yeah, and everyone, everyone knew it was an early poll. I don't know why they decided to do that. I feel like the only reason that can like, well, it, it doesn't justify, but he was probably thinking about bringing him and not bringing him on for Game Seven sometime as a relief too. Uh, but again, yeah, he was probably pitching the best game of his life. Uh, the Dodgers were scoreless, right? Um, until then and so i don't know why that move you know it was very reminiscent of uh, old school dave roberts uh, for us uh, but it's good to be on the other side of that for once <laughs> um but yeah um you know the dodgers bat is is hard to beat and again if you score one run it's, it's not gonna cut it so uh yeah i am i'm i'm happy <laughs> i'm happy <laughs> it, it happened the way it did um but yeah, man, it's crazy that we came from the three-one series from with Atlanta, and 
really it came all the way back to winning the World Series. And so, yeah, man, all the listeners uh, from LA, congrats to us. Uh, cheers. Albert will buy you guys a beer. Um, <laughs> Why <and> me? <laughs> <laughs> just to make everything worse, you know. Might as well. <laughs> um, yeah, man, dude. I, I don't know. I can't explain it. There's just so many, so many emotions. And like, I was watching a lot of the videos again over and over last night. And like, the one that I love most is Kershaw coming out of the bullpen, like running out of there, like yeah. you know, finally doing it. Uh, it sucks Justin Turner couldn't be out there, or for the most part, it sucks that he has COVID. Uh, <laughs> maybe Brendan Snow had uh, COVID. <laughs> maybe that's why he got pulled early. <laughs> Dude, <clears throat> but the, the problem is he was on the field. So after in the celebration and everything, he didn't listen to the team and he was lifting the trophy and kissing his wife and sitting with the team and in the team picture. Dude, that's a freaking nightmare. And mm. I'm sure, you know, everyone's talking about that today because what the hell was that? Whatever, season's over. Um, so, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Manfred is already a joke anyway, so oh, it doesn't even matter, you know? But um, I heard that uh, all the Dodger players insisted on bringing him out. I know it's not safe or whatever, yeah. and I'm not saying that he should have came out yeah. or whatever, but um, I think all the players, you know, obviously in that moment, they didn't care. They wanted him to come out and be a part of it. And dude, JT played really well um, this postseason, so... Um, Justin, feel better soon. I hope uh, nothing bad happens to you or your family. Um, I was going to say something else, uh, but I just can't remember right now. <laughs> hey, but here, here, Andrew, this is the scariest part of this for all of this, right? Um, you still have you have Mookie Best locked up for the next 12 years, right? Yep. He's only 27. Uh, you have Walker Bueller, probably the best young pitcher in all of baseball right now. Uh, and you have a very young squad, Corey Seager, probably – Top three, top five shortstop in baseball right now. Super young. You still have Bellinger. Your team is set up for long-term success. And so um, I think the chances of you guys repeating repeating next year are very high. You got you guys have an excellent squad. Of course, you know, teams are going to revamp. They're going to retool. They're going to come out hungry. But if you're a Dodger fan and you're sitting here this morning with a championship belt over, you know, on you now, uh, you're definitely going to be thinking multiple titles, especially with the, t- with the, the sheer talent that you guys have. And so, um, Hey, props to you guys. You guys definitely deserved it. Um, I think the rays are definitely kicking themselves this morning, but at the same time, I I don't say any of this to take away from the Dodgers. They were excellent. Absolutely. Excellent. You guys were just the lineup top to bottom. Fantastic. Your pitching really showed up. Hey, we didn't even talk about it yet, but your bullpen was lights out. Absolutely lights out yesterday from mm-hmm. top to bottom. Gonsolin was a little shaky in the, in the top, but he gave up one run. And after that, no runs all the way through. And Urias was absolutely lights out to close it. So um, the Dodgers were the best team. They deserve to win. And this is, it's it's great. And for the city of LA, you guys get two titles in a year, which is something that ha- hasn't happened in a long time. And so, wow, it's, um, it's gotta feel good, man. It's gotta feel good for you guys. I've, I don't know what this feels yeah, like. Yeah, man, this one is this one is really sweet. This one's really sweet for sure. Yeah, Dodger fans, man, we we've gone through a lot over the last I don't know, ten years, fifteen years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for allowing this um, portion of the <laughs> podcast, Albert. 
<laughs> no, I figured it was, it was the right thing to do, even if, um, you know, even if my life's not going so great, you know, if, if my host is happy, that's, <laughs> my co-host is happy, then I, I, I'm happy. I'm happy. Oh. <laughs> Hopefully the pod is still going uh, when you guys find some success. Uh, but I don't know if the pod will still be alive by then. You know, forty years later is, is a long time from now. So, <laughs> if forty, uh, for all my all my Yankee fans out there, listen. Oh yeah, come on, mm. we're not far away. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, C- finish. CC Sabathi was saying this with Bill Simmons last night. The Yankees aren't far away. Um, we have some things to change, but that's. That's the thing about being a Yankee fan. We're always perennial contenders. So I, I don't I don't take any of that with any offense. I think really the biggest issue in my life is the Jets and the Knicks. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do another rant. I'm not going to do that. For my Knicks fans out there, for everyone <laughs> listening, you guys know how I feel about my Knicks. I'm feeling good. The draft is coming real close. <laughs> and, oh, no, um, not this again. <laughs> you know, it's, it's For everyone saying this draft is a weak draft, don't buy into that narrative. <laughs> I must have heard that, like, four times for already. <laughs> because it's not a weak draft it's a good draft okay it's gonna be a good one and the only people who say that are people who have a lot of picks <laughs> what albert kim what um yeah no, i was gonna say that's the quote by albert kim eighth draft position <laughs> um what i was gonna say i finally remember is i wish kobe was alive to see this you know mm-hmm. happen uh, that was a one thought in my head last night. You know, Lakers won, Dodgers won, and it's a huge year for LA. And, you know, we're missing one of LA's kings. And he didn't get to see it, so I feel bad in that sense. Um, but back to um, the Knicks and Jets uh, really quick. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's I saw a stat the Jets have 55% of landing um, Trevor. So that's some good news. Um, Adam Gay still has a job. That's that's the bad news. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, I don't know why you do that to yourself. It's um, <laughs> I choose this life. Okay, I, I I chose this one. All right, so I'm gonna live through it. Um, oh, okay, okay. Anyway, let's move on. Let's not let's not talk Knicks and Jets. Okay, well, let's not do that today, but. Anyway, today we were able to have Matt on. We loved having Matt on. That was awesome. I hope you guys really enjoyed that part uh, of the interview. And next week, we're actually going to have a guy named Corey on, who's an NBA draft expert. Um, and so we're going to be able to talk to him, pick his brain about a lot of the uh, the really interesting prospects and just the just the strange draft season that we're in right now. And so for all our listeners out there, we really appreciate you guys. Uh, shouts to the LA Dodgers once again for winning their seventh title. And um, yeah, any last words, Andrew? Nope, just go Dodgers. And uh, I was going to say something mean, but you know what? I'm just going to wrap it up here. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> oh, actually, well, before we go, one really quick thing. Um, it seems like the NBA is going to come back at end of December, which is a little earlier than people expected, which oh, yeah. is cool. And then uh, the Utah Jazz got sold this morning for uh, a gang of money. So that's interesting, too. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, for all our listeners out there. Exactly. Daryl Morey just got picked up by the Sixers. So, yeah, for our listeners out there, we'll definitely come at you guys next week with a lot more content. We love you guys for uh, listening and subscribing. And uh, please share us uh, with the world so that the world can see my pain and Andrew's joy and laugh at me eternally. So, anyway, this has been The Secret Pod. 
So, see, did I see Secret Pod? See, I always jack up our name somehow. Yeah, so nobody can see it. <laughs> All right, we love you guys. Talk Secret to you pod. soon. <laughs> Secret Weapon! Later, guys. The Secret Weapon Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Head to anchor.fm slash secretweaponpod to find your podcast app of choice. If you like this podcast, tell your friends to listen, subscribe to our feed, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We've got more episodes coming soon.